Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Pure Football Podcast with me, Guillem Balaguer. Today we're going to talk to Jordi Cruyff. I've crossed paths with Jordi since his time at Manchester United many times. Hopefully you can sense that, that there is a, a friendship in, in the conversation. But now, logically, it's harder than ever to chat to him as he has become a key part, a very important part, of a triangle that uh, takes all the sporting decisions of the club at Barcelona. That's with Matteo Lemagne, the director of football, and Xavi. Jordi joined forces with, uh, with the new chairman, John Laporta, and surprisingly, he has been doing this job since he arrived in September. Uh, the way that was, it was described to us to the media was that uh, he was uh, he was actually working uh, in the international front of the sport in decision making. It wasn't very clear, but I think he basically uh, is confirming in this conversation that he has been the number two sporting wise of the club, just below Matteo Lemagne since 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 he arrived, since Jordi arrived. Anyway, we decided to meet and discuss the rebuilding at Barcelona just before the second La Liga Classic of the season. Now that the team have, have really found a way, even though they, they're far away from the title. And a Clásico is a Clásico, always an exciting uh, game, but also an opportunity to, uh, to meet some of the big names of, uh, of both clubs. In this case, it's Jordi who I approached and he said, yeah, let's, let's have a chat. But I wanted this chat to last longer than the few days that are left to, to the Clásico when I record this. And maybe by the time you listen to it, the Clásico has been played already. So I wanted this to last. Um, and I wanted to know what he has learned in his career as a player, as a, as a manager, as a director of football. Uh, what he has learned before getting the job that he seems to be born for this we call it technical secretary in, in Spanish. It's really the number two to the director of football. And and I feel that with his experiences, he's very much prepared for it. I wanted to know what he learned at Manchester United with Ferguson, uh, with his dad. Uh, what he learned being a player at Alaves compared to, for instance, Barcelona, Manchester United, two clubs that dominate Alaves, was more about not having the ball. Uh, did that affect him? What he learned at uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv, where he won titles and he was also not only a head coach, but also a, a director of football, or in Cyprus, or in China, and in the different roles that he's played since he left uh, football. And, and I think it makes for an interesting reading. And also, you'll hear some clues on how Barcelona are coming out of the, um, the deep hole that they got themselves into. This is Jordi Griff. Um, we're talking to you for, for many reasons, but uh, one of them is uh, you have uh, entered the uh, inner sanctum, the most important part of the decision-making at Barcelona in recent times. And I'm fascinated about your role in the um, 
rebuilding of the team. So, first of all, Jordi, what what Barcelona did you find when when you joined in in uh, in June? It was wasn't it? No, I, I started in on one September because I uh, I was working in China and uh, the contract termination was third week of, of August. So I started one September and uh, oh, basically from my personal point of view, the first thing I think is important to do is to reconnect a little bit with, uh, you know, the, the Spanish league um, to analyze mainly because I think you can only try to give advice or, or make decisions or assist in any way uh, only after having a correct study. And I think that was my, my first idea was just to look, to analyze, to think and, uh, and whatever needed to, to help. Um, so I think, um, you know, of course, everybody always wants uh, that things in your club um, work fantastically. Well, but I also believe that when things are not going as you planned, it's also a good opportunity to, to make a, a real study. Uh, and then you can find the uh, solutions. Uh, if everything you th if you think that things are going good, you don't spend energy on finding the solutions. And I think that's the, the main thing to always be ready for what uh, the team and the club need tomorrow and uh, be open-minded for, for everything. And that's what we did. And since the last uh, few months, I think we've been working very well together with Xavi, of course. Uh, in the end, uh, Xavi needs to believe in, in, in the players that we're thinking about because he's the one who will decide if they play or not. So I think it's important that we have a good synchronization between, uh, between the three, four of us that were working together uh, with a lot of discussions, uh, open-minded, uh, not always agreeing with each other, but always finding a common ground. And from there on to make, try to make the best decisions for the club. You are especially uh, sensible to, to emotions. Whatever you've been, you are like an sponge, emotional sponge, and trying to get where, uh, what they are about, the clubs that you've been part of. So from that point of view, and the emotional point of view, uh, what was Barcelona like and where, where do we find him uh, now since September? Well, I think, uh, first of all, um, Barcelona is a, is a special club. It's a, also a special city. So it makes it a very interesting uh, place to be for, for many players. And, and uh, so in that aspect, it's not about uh, only convincing them to come, but they actually almost, you know, show interest to, to join. And I think that makes... That also makes uh, the job, um, I wouldn't say easier, but at least the convincing part, you don't have to do the same way because they already know the club. They know it's, it's a special kind of club with a, a specific way of playing football. They know the city. So in that aspect, I think uh, it does help a lot in, in all the process. Um, I think also everybody knows the financial limitations that, that we have. So in terms of, you know, when you negotiate, it's not just... Uh, you're negotiating, you're trying to be a winner when you stand up, but mainly there is rules and we have to, we have to abide. So I think everybody, when you tell the players we're not allowed to do that, then, you know, they understand. And the pleasant surprise in that aspect is that uh, the players that, that came in January, they've all had to uh, give in a little bit their initial idea to be able to join the club. And I think as a club, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling to see that these players have, you know, they not only said they wanted to come, but they've proved it and they come and, and they've done a good job so far. 
whatever you've been, you 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 learned something from it, uh, and you played in Spain. You you've you've been in Cyprus, in Ecuador, in China, in England. Uh, so you have plenty of bricks to build that knowledge that got you ready for Barcelona. Is that is that how you feel as well? Yes, because um, I think one mistake that many people make is when they see you've been in, in China, you know, they think it's easy. But to be honest, it's many times to be out, uh, outside Europe is a lot more complicated than to be in Europe because, the, you know, the, our logic is similar, you know, like in, in Europe, you know, most countries, uh, the culture is it's quite similar. It's different, but in terms of thinking, it's similar. Uh, there is a professional football culture and in many other countries it's either less professional football culture so in other words you encounter much more problems and there's much more work to do to get things in the right direction so i i do think that has been a, an interesting part which you know um, it helps you to when you encounter problems to try to find a solution and also to be understanding to other ideas and to other sides because if you go to other continents, basically, and thinking that uh, what you think is good, you're going to implement it, then you might get a, a surprise that it's not that simple. Sometimes you need to adapt, you need to choose which ones you really think are vital for success. And then you try to implement things, but you always need to agree with uh, other people's thoughts. So I do think it helps a lot when you come back to Europe, you're a little bit more flexible, maybe, or open-minded to, to listen to other opinions also. Jordi, because of your surname, you could have come to Barcelona earlier and because of your knowledge as well, but because of your surname speci specifically, and you said no many times. Yeah. So where, where was this um, need, this thirst for knowledge, for being prepared? Is that something that you got at home, for instance? You feel that that need to educate yourself first. I thought uh, mainly education was vital uh, to try new things, uh, to make mistakes, and to learn from them, so you don't repeat them. Uh, I think that's what uh, you know what things have given me over the last years, especially going to countries that are not the first one people would look into to go. You know, but for me. I suppose I've always been a little bit adventurous uh, already from a small age. Uh, I remember I used to hate it when I was just adapted to a school, to a new city, and then my father would say, okay, I'm going to play there now. <laughs> and then you had to, you know, uh, get your things. You would leave, never come back, and you would have to go to a new place, adapt quick, uh, you know, um, try to get, have new group of friends, uh, school, uh, city, um, language. So I think I've always uh, been forced into you know the adaptation part that's why for me i'm actually you know i i actually enjoy it to be you know in different places where people think different and where things are complicated and uh, i suppose that's also a challenge that i like and let me add something else that perhaps comes from your dad if if i learned something many things but one in particular is uh is it's the why not <laughs> and uh, think differently. In fact, it's two things. Why not and think differently. Uh, you, you got that in yourself as well from your dad, you think? Um, I, I think I've got something. I wish I had a little bit more, <laughs> even as a football player especially. But no, I didn't have it. But I, I also think I have some, you know, uh, probably I think different sometimes, which... It's good because if you can discuss with people that you work with and you can find a common ground, it's always good 
to you know to listen and to to respect other views so i i like that you know and i even challenge myself sometimes when i've made a decision in my life you know to to argue the you know the the pros and you know and and the the negative consequences so i think i'm used to that um in, in that aspect so i'm i'm okay with it i like to work in a group i like uh, people with different opinions i remember also uh, as a sport director, but also as a head coach when I've been. I've always liked staff members who would not always say yes. I also like the ones who have an own opinion, who defend them. And, you know, I, I like to argue. And in the end, it makes you think and probably it opens your mind a bit more and, and, and it helps you to make the right decisions. How about the, the, the group you work with at the moment? So you've got three very strong personalities next to you, Xavi, the coach, Matteo Alemagne, uh, CEO, and uh, the chairman, Laporta. Uh, how, how does it work? What's, what, take us to a meeting of the four of you. How does it work? Well, I think the, the first thing is the, the I think the, the initial work, it's always, uh, you know, you have a, a lot of people in the club also is scouting, you know, uh, but in the end, there's a moment you... You sit with Matteo, with Chadi, uh, you discuss about different options, necessities, uh, uh, market opportunities. And, and from there on, we kind of try to find a common ground. And of course, as I, I will always think and say, the coach in the end decides the lineup. So it's vital that he's, uh, you know, that he approves every, every thought that or every decision to be made. And I think when there's already kind of a common ground, then, you know, then obviously you go to to the president and, and the board, because in the end, they're the, the ultimate responsibles for, for certain decisions. And uh, to, you know, to try to com convince, for example, Laporta to say, you know, we thought about this option more than the other one and give him the reasons. And then, you know, he will ask the questions, which is also what he needs to do. And from there on, you know, to try to find a common ground. But I think like in every football club, there's moments during the year you're always busy because there's always a tomorrow. So when the market closes 31 January from 1 February, you're already working on the next one. And even you're working on uh, the year after. So I think in, in that aspect, uh, it never stops. But there are, of course, months that you spend much more time, uh, the three of us together, because, you know, uh, when a decision time is coming, you need to be you know, on the same page and you need to act quick, you need to be flexible, especially with the Barcelona situation, which, uh, you know, makes it a bit more difficult. Uh, also taking into consideration that the Spanish financial fair play is tougher than the European one. So there's a lot of aspects that have to be taken into account and, um, you know, try to, even if there's various positions you would like to reinforce, but then you need to prioritize things and, and just you know, you cannot do everything. You need to choose which is the important one. And uh, that takes a lot of discussion, but it's uh, when you love football, it's easy. How important has it been the, the positive attitude um, and the confidence of Laporta to drive this rebuilding that you, you're doing at the moment? Well, first of all, I think he, he has experience uh, of previously being in, in, in the club in a, in a very good time. So I think in many aspects, he's not new, uh, absolutely not new to the game. I mean, he's, uh, he has a lot of accumulated experience uh, from being in there. Then he's had years that he's seen it from the outside and now he's again in. So I think that aspect, he has a big advantage. Um, and the other aspect, I think he, you know, you cannot, um, you cannot advance in a club when 
people are going in different directions. In the end, it's about trying to find a common a common direction and all together work. And uh, and whatever decision is being made, it's if things are wrong, it's not the fault of one. In the end, it's uh, it's the club who signed the player. So it's important to to have solidarity, to have respect for each other's opinions, to to talk a lot, to not be afraid to give your opinion, even if it's uh, maybe a different opinion than, than the others. I think it's important the kind of uh, you know respect or the kind of acceptance for other opinions that we have in this kind of group that we can speak openly and from there try to find the right the right decision. I, have you been surprised by by Xavi in the sense that uh, we always knew he had very clear ideas of what he wanted to do, but you have to then apply it to a club like Barcelona. Uh, have you found uh, surprising, pleasantly surprised that he has got many more right answers than wrong answers at this stage in his career as a coach? No, I'm not surprised because uh, maybe my advantage is that I've been following him for quite some years. We've always maintained contact. Uh, we played against each other. Um, you know, his team uh, against my team also from abroad. So uh, not even as players, I mean, as, as coaches. So we know each other. We've been talking a lot. So um, I think you will only be surprised if you don't know him. But if you know him, then you know, you know, he just has a, a philosophy that fits to this club's necessity. Uh, he, of course, knows the, the surroundings of this football club, which is always... Uh, you know, that's sometimes off the pitch kind of uh, another world, you know, where there's a lot of uh, people around. There's a lot of uh, when you win, it's extreme high. When you lose, it's extreme low. Um, I think he's already used to that because he lived it as a player. So there's many aspects that already had him well prepared because it's he's already lived it before. And at this stage, then, what is the role? What do you have to do as in... Um... It's been mentioned that you may become technical secretary at, at the club. You'll be official at, at some point, I imagine. Uh, but what's the role in this phase of rebuilding? Where are you standing at the moment? Well, I since day one, my role is, I don't know what name they, they, they could, you know, people give to it, but my role has been the same. Uh, you analyze, you watch, see all the trainings, all the games, uh, talk to coaches. Uh, and work together as a group, you know, like the nowadays the budgets are high, you know, the the, the cost of a mistake is, is, is high. So I think it's important to minimize the mistakes and to minimize mistakes, you need a good group of people who all uh, want the same direction, who are not afraid to give their opinion, who will discuss, who will argue. And in the end, the willingness to find a common ground. And I think in that aspect, uh, since I've arrived the first few months, as I've said before, was more looking, adapting again to, you know, to, to, to Spanish football, uh, the players, the teams, um, and little by little, then, you know, you, the transfer market of January comes, so you need, to prepare for, you need to be prepared for that. You need to analyze your team to understand the necessity of what kind of players and from where you can take them, what is possible and what's not financially. And from there on, just working group. And uh, for me, you know, uh, it's been the same since day one. Only now a little bit more present, probably, because that's there's been more articles lately. But for me, from day one, it's been the same. Every time we speak, at some point, Manchester United and Sir Alex Ferguson appears, and uh, this is the moment now in this conversation because now you're taking decisions. 
And uh, the point of taking decisions, I just wonder if um, there's a little Alice Ferguson in your head telling you do this or do that or suggesting something and, and hearing his influence uh, on you. Is there any bit of that? Well, first of all, I'm not uh, the decision maker. I'm just in the group of the decision makers. So I'm part of it and, and alone. Nobody can do it all because there's a lot of things to take into consideration, especially the you know, Spanish financial fair play, also the financial limitations that we have. So there's a lot of equations that come to it. I mean, the formula is more complicated than in, in any other situation. And uh, from our point of view, yes, I think, of course, I look at, uh, at, at, at my past that maybe when I was 20 years old, I didn't understand. But, you know, you get a bit older and you start to understand that the people that you thought made strange decisions actually were a lot more advanced in their time than, than, than what they were, you know. Um, so, of course, I've learned a lot from Ferguson. I've learned a lot also from my father. Actually, I've learned a lot from everything because especially from mistakes, if you're clever, you can learn a lot to not repeat them. So I think it's an accumulation of experiences. Also, in, in my case, I mean, I've been a player once, so um, I can imagine or I can visualize a, a player's mind. Uh, I've had the good times, the bad times, uh, fighting for titles, fighting for relegation. I've been injured, I've been fit, I've been playing, I've been on the bench. So that emotional roller coaster, I kind of already know, so I can understand players uh, better than they expect sometimes. Um, and because I've also been coaching for some years, I can also understand the, you know, the mind of a coach and, and what is important for him. Um, so I can also speak the same language as a coach. And of course, also as a sport director, I've also accumulated some years, then you think to find the right balance between the club necessity and the coach necessity. So all in all, I think it's an advantage to have been um, in different chairs on the table, if I can say it this way. But I also think it's an advantage to have been able to work with, uh, as you said before, people like Ferguson. You know, maybe you didn't agree when you were 21, but uh, you understand now with the years that you were the one who didn't see it correctly. And, um, you know, I think you, you learn from everyone. If you're an open-minded person and, and you're willing to listen to others, you will always learn things. One thing in particular that you remember looking back and you think like, I didn't get that. Oh, I get it now. Anything? Well, with Ferguson, I, I remember um, that when I was 20, 21, then he would come to you and uh, he would tell you that you're going to be a starter in, you know, not the next two games, but in the third game. And my initial reaction was to ask, yeah, but if they score a hat-trick each, then how are you going to put me? You know, he would smile and laugh it away a bit. He would say, yeah, that's my problem. But the fact is already so many years ago, he was already understanding the necessity of, of um, you know, of thinking lineups, not only the next game, but he was always preparing himself for, you know, the lineup of uh, not only the next game, but the one after and the one after. So he was, was always preparing. And of course, he had a lot of experience and knew everything about uh, Premier League, what months were vital, what players would he need in, against what team, against, you know, uh, in, in which period of time. Like for him, uh, I remember he will always say that every game is important, but he used to put special emphasis on, on December and January. He thought that that was one of the deciding factors of winning and losing Premier Leagues. Uh, maybe you cannot win the Premier League in these two months, but you can lose it. So he would put special emphasis on those months. 
and uh, and he would prepare you know the team already in advance like in his mind he would have the lineup for the next two three weeks already done and I was young and I you know I didn't understand that and of course now I think it's uh, he was just ahead of his time in, in in many aspects and also very human like he could really know everything about your private life asking how your adaptation to the city was how's your girlfriend wife child whatever um, he had that the softness but he could also be tough ruthless when he felt that uh, it was time for you to leave then you had to leave no matter how big you were the club was always bigger and i think there's always been in down the years in his years a lot of examples about that that somebody who was a superstar just uh, first and thought it was time to go and he would also he could be tough so he had both versions he could be you know he could be the human but he could also be the the strong professional and it's something that i must say with time i've really admired you say you, you don't take decisions at, at Barcelona, you learn from all these people that we're talking about, but I sense there is a big influence on three Premier League players coming in January, uh, Abemayang, Ferran Torres and Adama Traore. Um, is there a reason behind uh, them arriving? Well, I think, uh, first of all, January is not, uh, it's not the easiest transfer period um, because if a player is doing fantastically well in his, in his, uh, in his team, especially in the Premier League, which is financially it's a powerful league, then you will not get the players on a loan. You know, if they're playing fantastic, well, they will not, you will not get them. So you have to understand that January is, a, is already a different kind of market. And uh, in most players, uh, it was not a situation of big transfer fees anyways. So um, there's the Spanish limitations. The club financially uh, has some limitations, so it's, it's difficult to comply with the Spanish fair play. So we have to we had to try to be creative. But what I do believe is that the intensity of, of the Premier League is high. Um, football is a bit different. It still is different, but it's a really high level at the moment. And uh, if a player has maybe not been a first eleven player for all the games, but if he's played 30-40% of the games, he's already fit to come to Spanish league and make an immediate immediate impact uh, like they've done. And I think um, I'm not going to say that uh, just because of the new players, the team is improved. I think they're an improvement, but I also believe that the other players have, you know, also uh, been playing better. The coaches had more time to implement his ideas. So I think it's a, you know, our improvement is a mix of many things that have come together and have made the team just you know, it's looking better, they score more goals and uh, the team is going upward direction. And in terms of myself, um, it's not just, I don't think a club that big should just have one decision maker. I think it's a mix of things. It's a mix of, uh, you know, um, studying each case in a, in a very good situation, like really thoroughly and, and to talk and to discuss and, uh, and in the end reach the common ground. So I'm just part of the decision making. That's how I feel. Part of a group. Me quedan dos preguntas. Tenemos tiempo? Sí. Sí. Um, the Clásico is coming up and it's a reference point to the season. It's interesting that uh, that for you it's not about winning the league. Or is it? What, what, what you go to the Clásico with? What kind of mind frame you go into? Well, um, first it's a special game. You know, uh, independently of... of the position of each club uh, in in the league, it's it's one of those special games. You know, in every league you have 
kind of a classical and historical, uh, mighty strong uh, game, which is everybody around the world is, is going to be watching it. And no matter what point difference there is, uh, you have the ambition and you have the, the pressure to win it. If it's in your stadium, their stadium, uh, if you're fifth, if you're second, if you're first, if you're 20th, it doesn't matter. Uh, the urgency of winning a Clásico, the, the adrenaline that gives this kind of game is always special. So I think we, we our attitude in any ways, Barcelona is a club already with the DNA. They always play to win everywhere. Uh, if you win or not, it's a different question, but there's always that initial uh, thought is to play to win. And uh, I'm sure that is going to be our, our, our mentality. Nobody looks at the points difference in, in a game like this when you start. You see your opponent and you know you have to win. Did you watch the uh, the uh, Real Madrid PSG game? Yes, I watched it. Sometimes I feel that Real Madrid would like to have more of the style that you have. That Barcelona would like to have also that kind of magic thing that gets created with Real Madrid, that that winning mentality in in moments of of you know of difficulty. Would you agree? Well, looking back at the game. Um, over two games, uh, I think most people will agree that uh, it looked as if uh, PSG was, uh, you know, was looked stronger, more in control. But that's the beauty of football, you know. Something happens, and suddenly the morale of one team goes sky high. The other one, it's it's struggling to to get the control back. And I think it's a clear example of. Beside the qualities, of course, but all the players in, in this level have a lot of quality, but also the emotional aspect, you know, the mental aspect. Suddenly, something happened there in the Real Madrid players, and the next three shots on goal were three goals. And uh, that's football. That's the beauty of football. Uh, of course, if you're in a losing team, it's uh, it's hard to know that maybe you you have been better over two games, but uh, you know you will watch it from television from now on. And for the other team, it's it's amazing. You know, you feel it. You 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 saw the opponent, how good they were, how how dominating they were. But in the end, you go through, and that's the beauty of football. That's the beauty of sport. Finally, uh, you have worked uh, to keep the legacy of of your dad through the through the foundation, and. Um, I believe you're working on on uh, actually bringing or having more crew courts uh, to the UK. Um, I, I was talking to um, uh, Virgil van Dijk actually, who had played on them and recently opened one in the uh, in the UK. Tell us a little bit about the, the crew courts and, and what is the plan in 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 England. Well, the plan uh, we have. Uh like uh, more than two hundred uh, all over the place. Uh, normally, it's it's linked to. Many times uh, sport people, um, football players, of course, because my father, uh, you know, was in the world of football, so it's it's, it's an easier connection. But it's it's nice to see that uh, a lot of boys, when they were young, they used to play on these courts, and now they get older, and now they went from a boy who was dreaming to suddenly be an idol and to be a dream of other new generations, and for them to be able to play on, on these pitches, to have a you know, place where there's social integration, because also many times uh, these courts uh, arrive to places where it's difficult, where, where there's difficulties on, on a daily basis. And I think it helps integrating. And I also believe that sport uh, unites people more than any other, uh, like politics. You know, I think sports is, is a uniting factor. And that's why 
uh, when people play football, you don't look at the nationality, you don't look at color, you don't look at anything. In the end, it's about being magical with the ball, uh, to enjoy and to win. And I think in, in that aspect, these, the, the cry of courts is something that my father put a lot of attention to, uh, to create a space where, you know, um, where boys can be boys, right? Like children can be children. There's also girls, of course, play. So it's really it's something, there is a social aspect to it. And it's one of the, the things that my father's obsessed with, to create, to give places for children, to be able to be children, to enjoy the sport, and, uh, and especially to socialize, to, you know, to help each other. After all the stuff that you do, which one is the one that you really, really, really like? Which one? Uh, give me options. <laughs> Well, out of all the stuff that you do, I mean, you've won titles uh, here and there in Israel and then you coach and then you've been director of football and then now you look after the foundation, the crew foundation as well, the secretary, technical secretary of whatever it's called in Barcelona. Yeah. Um, difficult to translate. Walking yeah, around the town. Uh, technical secretary sounds, uh, it's a Spanish word, but it doesn't make sense in English, Yeah. to be honest. But uh, uh, for me, the most important thing is wherever I go to try to help, to try to add to try to improve what was there and when you leave that people have a good memory from you that they you know for me it's nice to go back to certain places and uh, you know that people have a good memory and they you know thank you for helping us forward i think that's the nicest uh, the nicest things uh, as a professional as a human that, that you can hear great ending thank you very much gracias